Well, welcome to Spare Prophecy Church. So happy that everybody could join us today. I'm going to be talking on fallen angels, archangels, uh, the truth behind a lot of this. And there's going to be some videos that you'll be watching because it's just going to be more explanatory to have those like that. So, first of all, fallen angels, yes, they're demons, fallen angels. In uh, Colossians 2.18, it says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So what has happened is we have people that are worshiping angels. We are not to worship angels. If you do... It's a, it's, there's, it could rob you of your salvation. So let's watch this video because this is what many of the new, they call it the new wave or the new prophetic movement. Uh, it's been going on for a while, uh, but this is what this one person is doing, and this is wrong. Angels of healing, warring angels, that they would be released out of the heavens. And I want you to lift up your voice and call down the angels. Just angels. Ain't, come on, God, send them. Angels, angels, angels. Come on, God, send them. Angels, angels, angels. Come on, God, send the angels. Come on, send the angels, Father. Send the angels, Father. Angels, angels. Send the angels. Send the angels. Angels, angels, angels. Send the angels. Send the angels. Just the music and then screaming because there's nothing to take. See there, Revelation 16, 14, they are spirits of devils working miracles. And unfortunately, that is so true. I'd like to say that the devils, you know, Satan, he can't heal. But what it really does, it's, it's robbing, again, people of their salvation, their true walk with Jesus, and demons enter into them when they accept that type of a healing. So, again, Colossians 2.18 says, Let no man beguile you of your reward and your voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding those things which are hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. And this is the problem that we're getting into. You know, I've been teaching uh, in the past about when did the gospel become not good enough? When did the Holy Spirit become not good enough? Uh, they're trying to fabricate things because to them it's just not good enough. And I'm talking about some big-name ministries out there going around the globe, not just here in America, and they're doing it with a fleshly mind. They're being puffed up. Uh, they're, they're very prideful. And they're, they're causing people to be led astray. Makes me very upset. So beguile, uh, beguile your reward means to rob you of your salvation. And hopefully everybody watching this and everybody here today, we don't want that to happen, right? So we have to be very careful we don't get into some type of worshiping angels because that is in a lot of different um, traditions. Some, uh, some denominations out there, um, so we have to be very careful about that. 
Don't fall for the false teaching of mystical practices against the word of God. And then Matthew 10, 4, 10 says, Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Jesus is the only one we serve. Jesus is the only one we bow to. There's no other name above all names but the name of Jesus. Is that a big amen? Amen. amen. There's 283 verses with angel, angels uh, in the King James Bible. There's 88 verses with angel of the Lord. There's 43 verses with angel of God. There's four verses that said with holy angels. And there's two verses with devil and his angels. And there's two verses with I sent or God sent. And I'm going to explain why I think that's important here in just a little bit. And the Revelation 12:4 says, And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. Who's the tail? Whose tail did this? Satan, he drew, he, his, he, his tail drew third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. So a third of the angels that were in heaven, supposedly worshiping God, had started worshiping the devil, and he cast them out. So there's a third of them that are here to the earth. That's where we have these demons that are attacking us, right? These fallen angels that are attacking us. And yes, we know there's God's side of, side of angels. We know there's... Uh, there's the devil's side of angels. There's fallen angels. And we have to be supernaturally aware of what's going on and know how to discern which one is of God and which one is of the devil. Uh, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for, to, to devour her child as soon as it was born. In other words, it wanted to take over and take Jesus. Uh, this one is a video on fallen angels. Um, it'll help explain some of the things about the fallen angels. Uh, I'm going to debunk some of these myths here in just a little bit but i want you to watch this pop culture is filled with depictions of fallen angels once holy beings that have succumbed to sin but how and why did the idea of fallen angels even come about in the first place here's the untold truth of fallen angels fallen angels are basically angels that have given up on the good and righteous path and turned to evil right well not necessarily it's true that Jewish and Christian traditions believe that fallen angels were originally just as holy as any of the other angels, but fell when the most beautiful of them, Lucifer, decided to rebel and enticed others to go with him. But in Hindu traditions, it's a little different. They believe the creator god Brahma actually made some angelic beings good and some evil from the very beginning. Why? Because it's meant to illustrate the natural order of things and balance in the universe. And fallen angels don't even exist in Islam, where tradition says that all angels are good, including the ones tasked with overseeing those whose evil souls have landed them in hell. These angels are lording over hell, yes, but they aren't fallen, as they are still doing divine work. There's another explanation for Satan there, too, and it basically says he's not an angel. He's a jinn, a creature made from fire and free will. Put a pin in that, because there'll be more about this pesky free will stuff later. Historically, those who believe in fallen angels typically have believed them to be responsible for things like tempting mortals into sin. And fallen angels are tricky about it, too, sometimes masquerading as good angels as they torment and tempt. How do believers know all this? Well, these days, most of it comes from the non-canonical book of Enoch, which was written about 350 B.C. The text claims to be the revelations of Enoch, who was taken up to heaven and told the universe's deepest secrets, then shown just what would happen during mankind's ultimate judgment. Enoch shows up in other texts as well, which claim he lived to be 365 years old and eventually told his tales to his son, Methuselah, who lived to be an impressive 969 years old. Strangely, even though the stories of Enoch were influenced by the mythology of places like Babylon and, in turn, influenced Judaism and Christianity, the only place that all 100 chapters of the book survived was Ethiopia. 
And among those chapters was a fascinating explanation on fallen angels. One of the most widely told tales of fallen angels says it was Lucifer who rebelled against God and brought a bunch of angels down with him. But the story told in the Book of Enoch is very, very different. It tells a story of lust. According to the Book of Enoch, long before the Great Flood, angels and humans met and mingled pretty commonly, and the inevitable happened. Children. Those sons and daughters of angels were a race of 450-foot-tall giants. The angels started teaching their giant offspring evil ways, and God not only imprisoned them, but subjected them to judgment and sent the flood to hit the reset button on his creation. Enoch, the story says, tried to speak on behalf of the angels and their giant children, but sadly, a lot of the texts are missing. We do know that Enoch was the one God selected to act as an intermediary to the fallen angels, instructing him to tell them what their punishment would be for their transgressions. They were to be condemned to the ends of the earth, with an eternity of punishment to follow. All right, so in different, um, getting the study together, there's things I have to teach you that I don't really want to teach you, but I have to teach you so that you know, so that you don't fall into the temptations of believing such a lie. Uh, some of the um, teachings say there's 12 fallen angels. Some say there's, um, or seven, seven, excuse me, 12 archangels. Some say seven. We're going to find out what the truth is. God says, all right? But uh, fallen angels, archangels, it says there's seven angels or archangels. Uh, so there's, those are the mainly ones we're going to talk about. And then in pagan cultures are related to, they say, the seven days of the week. Hmm. Well, And then there's some that say it's the, the 12 of them, which is, it's associated with the zodiac. Yeah, right? Now in the Kabbalah, there are 12 archangels, and it was each assigned to a certain sapphire. Is that how you say that? Does anybody know for sure? I, th- I looked it up, but I think that's how you say it. It's the, well, I'll show you a picture in just a minute. But in Kabbalism, each of the ten attributes are emanations surrounding the infinite and by means of which relates to the finite. They are represented as spears on the tree of life. You know that uh, there's some jewelry out there. It has like a tree, and then it has the roots that are going to the ground. I always thought that that's kind of a cool thing. But really, that's um, from the Kabbalist for a tree of life. So I don't think that's such a cool little gem anymore. Um, so these are some of the ones that they say are their, their archangels, Metatron, so forth. We'll talk about those. This is what they call the Sapphire of the Kabbalah Tree of Life. You can see this kind of thing going on in Judaism, Kabbalism. So the, the Zohar, which is all part of the Kabbalah's. That's why I'm saying, you know, some people say, I think that the Hebrew roots movement is the, the thing that we need to really turn to. I just had someone call me and say that to me the other day, and I'm like, mm, well, let me just warn you. There's, there's, uh, we get off track in every area, and so you have to be very careful because many of these, and there's one of them, I'm not going to name the name, uh, that's supposed to be like a prophet of our nation, uh, says he's a Jew, written books, even did it, they had a movie out just not long ago about him, but he speaks directly from the Zohar. Directly from the Zohar. I've shown video footage of it. It's directly from the Zohar, which is uh, Kabbalism, and people are just raising their hands receiving it. So we have to be very careful. So they're teaching about this type of tree of life. Now look there where it's like the uh, Hinduism or the yoga or uh, the Shekinah, <laughs> the Kabbalah, or Kundalini spirit. You see all that? It looks the same. Going up the spine. That's what the, the tree of life of the Kabbalah, but also it's in Hinduism too. 
So we have to not get into the mysticism. The Apocrypha, which is the Jewish tradition's seven archangels, they say. Now, the Apocrypha is those books that you don't want to study, you don't want to read. I know curiosity arises. What does the Book of Enoch say? What's the Book of Jasher say? I understand. What's the Book of Tobit say? I understand. That could, that could be drawing to you. But stay in the Bible, preferably the King James Bible. Stay in it. We don't want you to get astray thinking that what they have in the Book of Enoch is of God. You're going to find a lot of lies in there. You're going to follow, find a lot about um, mysticism in there, and you can start believing the lie. Now, uh, the Jewish tradition, seven archangels, Gabriel, Jeremiah, Michael, Raquel, Raphael, Sariel, and Uriel. Now, you could just look here. Uh, who accepts the Apocrypha, like the Roman Catholicism, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, I don't know, Coptic, I don't know what that is, but... That these are the, some of the different uh, religions out there that 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 accept the apocrypha and they study it, they teach from it, they believe it. So, just so that you know. And Jude one nine says, "Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee." This was first seen as a healing angel, a protector, leader of the army of God against the forces of evil. Now, Michael, by the way, angels don't heal, by the way. <laughs> okay. Michael is the only angel, only archangel mentioned in the Bible. He's the only one. Yeah, I know, right? There you go, Michael. So if you want to find out how many archangels are in the Bible, one. One. That's the only one that's mentioned as an archangel. Now, Michael, the name means who is as God. He is as act, as of action and strength, known as the archangel of peace, harmony, and balance. Uh, this is this came came from this uh, Kimba's angels, New Age stuff. Okay, so there's she's. This is what this person's. I think it's a she anyway. And Stan would love this just because some of the pictures and the, the squirrel and everything. But, so, but we do know that this is what the name means, but this is what he says. They're going to continue to say that this is why they want people to worship Michael. Uh, leads the angels of light or the celestial army in battle against the legions of angels of darkness. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, Michael is the prince of light battling against the sons of darkness. The sons of darkness, it is said, it is, said is led by the demon Bilal. Known for kneeling to Mary and telling her of the approaching death, it is told in Judaic lore that it was Michael who prevented Abraham from sacrificing his son Isaac. Not true. Uh, the, through legend, myth, it is told that Archangel Michael is who, who appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Not true. Uh, this still comes from the same website. Uh, Gabriel. Uh, Gabriel in the Arab, in, in uh, Abrahamic religions is an archangel, uh, first described in the Hebrew Bible and then others. Gabriel appears to be the prophet Daniel to explain his vision. Gabriel came to, to um, Daniel. Now, he was not an archangel, right? But he was a messenger. He brought, he brought a teaching or brought a word to, to um, Daniel. The archangel appears in ancient Jewish writings as the book of Enoch. Uh, Gabriel means God is my strength. In Islamic, Gabriel translates to Jibril, and it's Jibril who revealed the Quran to Muhammad. So right there... You ought to start saying, mm, there's some overlapping here. What are we to believe? We're to believe the Word of God. 
Um, he presided over paradise, they say, and although he is the ruling prince of the first heaven, he said to sit on the left-hand side of God. Not true. Gabriel is known as the archangel of revelation, creativity, and faith. Not true. Now, um, here we can see about Gabriel. He was the, they did, it is called the chief of the angels. And you can see this in Daniel 8, 16 and 17. It says, and I heard a man's and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. So he went to, to Daniel. Uh, but it says when he went to Daniel, Daniel's what? He was afraid. I guess it's not my friend. This is scary. This is something that's more powerful than what I'm thinking here. Uh, and then Daniel 9, 21, 22 says, Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision of the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me. So, yes, angels are going to come by, and they're going to touch you from time to time. I know when they're present sometimes just because of that, right? Um, don't worship them. Never going to worship them. It's confirmation sometimes. Uh, 9.22 says, and he informed me. So God had a message to give Daniel. He used angel Gabriel to give him a message. In Luke 1, 19 and 20, and the angel answering said to him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show these things glad tidings. And behold, that shall be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Do anybody know what that, that was referring to? Yeah, Zechariah. All right. Um, and then in the sixth, and then Luke one twenty six, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, "Hail, thou art highly favored; the Lord is is with thee. Blessed art thou among women." And the angel said unto her, "Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God." So Gabriel, yes, he's considered to be the chief of angels, but he's not an archangel. There's only one that's mentioned in the Bible, right? Only one, and that's Michael. Now, this is in in, in Abrahamic religions, Islam. This is also in Hinduism. This is also in the Catholic Church. Um, Be nice, Leslie. Be daisy right now. Continue on. Raphael responsible for healing in the traditions of most Abrahamic religions? No, he's not. We're going to find out a little bit more about this, what they call this Raphael. He's a weirdo, as far as I'm concerned. And he's not mentioned in the Bible, by the way. Uh, Raphael means God has healed. Uh, and it says, one of the seven angels that, this is again from this Kimba, <laughs> this new age person. One of the seven angels that attend the throne of God, he belongs to at least four of the celestial orders. Seraphim, cherubim. Dominions and powers. Raphael is known to be the angel of science and knowledge. Raphael, archangel of healing, physical body and world healing. He is charged with healing mankind and the earth. Uh, titles for which the archangel Raphael holds are angels of love, chief of the guardian angels, ruler of the sun, angel of heart, and so forth and so on. And it's nothing but a bunch of baloney. Uh, Uriel, uh, again, they call him an archangel, rabbinic tradition, also known in certain Christian traditions, and like Catholics, um, if you want to call that Christian. And then apocryphal, Kabbalistic, and occult works, that's where you're going to find about Uriel. Uh, his name, this came from this again, this new age person, means the light or fire of God, known as the archangel of enlightenment, physical order, and ecology. 
ranked variously with seraphim, cherubim, and, and regent of the sun. Angel of presence and presides over Tardius, or Tardis, which is Hades, which being the archangel of salvation, holds the title Watcher of Thunder and Terror. In the book of Adam and Eve, in the book of Adam and Eve, uh, is one of the cherubims of Genesis 3 and also presides over the repentance. Uriel is reprobated at a church council in Rome. <laughs> uh, he oversees the nature spirits as well, so forth. He's in the Kabbalah. And he's also to have been then the gift of, uh, says, um, it's also said to have been the gift of Metatron. So I guess he works with Metatron. Who's Metatron? He's uh, what they call one of the strongest archangels. Um, it's nothing but, again, mysticism, the occult. It's found in um, the Kabbalist. Metatron's not a figure in the Hebrew, in the, a figure in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, he appears in several passages of the Talmud, which the Talmud, from my understanding, is the, is the oral translation, right? And we have to be careful because then we have, um, you know, I've talked about this with, on the Kundalini and also the Shekinah. Um, you know, you, you, you got in there some um, pagan rabbis. <laughs> They're given all these rules and all their fleshly desires and all their, their input. And so they've come up with a lot of things that are not true. That's why I'm saying some of these Hebrew roots movements and things, Messianic Jew movements, um, you know, yes, all denominations, even that, you're gonna, you have to, you have to walk that fine and narrow line, because uh, you can get off track very easily, and start worshiping something you shouldn't be worshiping. And so what, what happens is that, with that, the Talmud, they're studying that, they're doing those things, and it's hard to discern which is of God and which one is not. Uh, his legends, this Metatron, is found in the mystical Kabbalist text. He's identified as the prince or angel of the princess, as Michael, the archangel, or as Enoch after his bodily ascent into heaven, ascent into heaven. Um, Salathiel, archangel? No. Um, this is archangel. It's identified with the second book of Esdras, which is one of the apocryphas, one of the seven archangels in the Byzantine, Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox traditions. Um, Jegadil, uh, he's, they say he's one of the seven archangels in the Eastern Orthodox tradition and the Eastern rites of the Catholic Church. Let me ask you something. Now, I have had over the years friends that were, that traditions, Catholics, raised in Catholic Church, very faithful, Mass every day, truly accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior but cannot walk away from those traditions. Cannot. Cannot. That's a devil. That's an oppression. That is bondage. And, I, you know, the more I see a lot of this stuff, I mean, the things that people are worshiping, and in Catholicism that they're worshiping, why... Is it that you worship all these saints, all these fallen angels? Why are you worshiping what they call the archangels? Why are you praying to them? How do you keep up? How do they keep up in Hinduism? 
I mean, 330 million crore, they call it. Gods. A God for everything. Stub my toe. Well, here's the God that'll heal it. No. You know, um, no. I mean, just, it's just, it's just, I'm saying, get your eyes open. Get that veil off of you. Um, I don't want to hear the prayers that you're calling, praying out to a saint. I don't want to hear them. Never again. Jesus is the one that heals. Jesus is our mediator that goes to the Father in heaven. He's the one that we cry out to. We can go to the Father through Jesus. We don't have to go through Raphael, Seraphel, Uriel. We don't have to go through uh, any of these fallen angels or these saints. We don't have to do that. So why are you worshiping these idols? Why are you worshiping these false idols? Don't you think it's time? It doesn't matter if that's what you've been the tradition of your family over your lifespan. It doesn't matter. Isn't it time to have that veil lifted off and to receive the truth? I believe it's time that we receive the truth. And so I have to expose some of these things of even some of these other religions out there to you so that you won't get caught up into believing a lie. And I don't like it. I don't like having to do these studies. I really don't. Because it just makes my skin crawl. just makes me angry that people's, God's people are getting into such bondage. And then, you know, you go overseas and you're going to have a Catholic church on every corner. Big ones. Nice ones. And they think that's what Christianity is. You go somewhere else and you're going to have a, a church on every corner that's into mysticism and the occult. You know, here in America, we're supposed to take the gospel around the globe. And in my travels, I have seen we have not done a very good job. Just haven't. I mean, you go to Israel, and they take you on a tour, and they're going to take you where um, Jesus is in this church. That's where he was, he was born, and they have this little shrine made up, and people go in and they worship that. That's not true. It's a lie. So isn't it time we can't, I mean, we could say, you know, yeah, I went to Israel. And by the way, <laughs> I thought if we went to Israel, everything was going to be perfect there. I mean, it's God's holy land. It's his country, right? It's his land. No, no. A lot of mysticism, a lot of lies, a lot of traditions of men, and a Catholic church on every corner. Well, that's probably overstating that there, but <laughs> you're getting my point. All right. Barakiel is one of the seven archangels in the Byzantine Catholic and Eastern Orthodox tradition. Um, the third book of Enoch, described as one of the angelic princes with a myriad of some 496,000 ministering angels attending him. Now get this. Here's a key. And he's not the only one, by the way, this false angel. Uh, he drops bright rose petals or feathers. Hmm. And yet we have churches that are saying the feathers are the feathers are falling from heaven. They're like uh, the angelic host of the angels are here. Those feathers are falling, huh? Who are they worshiping? Who are they bowing down to? Now this is about eight minutes long. Please watch it. It's going to explain a lot about the archangels, and then we'll come back. Michael is the name of the archangel, the leader of the heavenly militia. 
in the command of God's army, he and his celestial soldiers clash against the evil. Michael is generally depicted as an angelic figure, using the sword and the armor with the devil's image under him. There are other important archangels like Raphael and Gabriel, but none of them receives as much devotion as Archangel Michael. He is accountable for warding off countless attempts that tried to keep mankind off the path of goodness. Another role of the archangel is to lead the soul of the good to heaven, right after their judgment. Michael also connects men and God. He is responsible for taking the prayers of the faithful to God. But Michael's main role is at the command of his army of angels. The Bible tells that Michael opposed the strengths of Satan a few times, and in all these, Michael had always been and remained victorious. The commander of the angels fought against evil when the dragon-shaped devil, along with their evil angels, tried to conquer heaven. But Satan and his allies were expelled by the angelic forces led by Michael the archangel, and they were shoved towards the earth. These fallen angels had to shelter themselves in hell. They were no match for the forces of good, led by the outstanding angelic warrior. The Archangel Michael is acknowledged by Christian, Hebrew, and Muslim faiths alike, but Catholics are the ones who give him the highest honors. Michael is considered the defender of the church, and his faithful is known as Saint Michael the Archangel among the most faithful. September 29 is dedicated to celebrating the three main archangels, Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel. Nowadays, the Archangel is still very sought by those seeking protection from evil. Metatron is an angelic figure in Jewish tradition. Depending on the angelology, it is considered as part of the seraphim, figures that are at the top of the celestial hierarchy and therefore closer to God. There is no consensus regarding the meaning of his name, the absence of the suffix El in his name, as in Raphael and Gabriel, is something unique. As Seraph, Metatron is often represented with three pairs of wings. He is the Prince of the Seraphim, and therefore the rest respect his authority. He is also sometimes considered the most powerful of all Archangels. Metatron is the only heavenly figure with access to stand by the Creator and is considered the spokesman for God. He is the most powerful of all angels, even stronger than Michael, the warrior angel who defeated Lucifer and his hosts when they tried to revolt against the Creator. One of Metatron's missions is to be the intermediary between God and men. He also commands all other heavenly beings. Metatron was the coordinator and supervisor of activities among the remaining angels and archangels. Although he is the only one with unrestricted access to the Creator's throne, he does not take the supplications and requests of the faithful to God. The most famous reference to Metatron is in the Talmud, a set of texts and sacred books in Rabbinic Judaism. When Rabbi Elisha ben Abuya got permission to enter heaven and found the Metatron's glow, he thought there were two authorities in heaven, God and Metatron. Metatron was struck 60 times by a flaming baton to show that, despite his noble position, he was below the Creator. The heavenly figure is also referred to in the Book of Enoch. According to some interpretations, Enoch, the father of Methuselah, became the famous angel the closest to the Lord. Metatron is sometimes known as the angel of life and death, 
for his great influence on the tree of life of the Jewish Cabal. The name Metatron is not expressly written in the Bible, but according to some traditions, Metatron is the angel who fights with Jacob, wanting to be blessed before his reunion with his brother Esau. It is also mentioned that the greatest of all angels were charged with punishing the Egyptians by imposing on them the famous ten plagues described in the book of Exodus. Fans of Hebrew mysticism used the Metatron cube, a sacred geometric structure composed of 13 circles, as a tool of protection and also to understand reality. Although he is not an angelic figure as acknowledged as the three great archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael, Metatron plays an important role alongside the throne of the Lord as his divine scribe, recording all the deeds and sins of men. Being the most powerful heavenly figure below only God, Metatron is one of the most respected angels by angelology fans. Raphael is one of the most important angels in Judeo-Christian culture. His name means God heals or God's cure. Therefore, he is regarded as the angel who carries God's healing powers. Now this one's pretty the weird to me. Archangel Raphael is the addressee of many prayers of those who wanted to be cured from the most different diseases. Among the three main archangels of Catholic tradition, Saint Raphael the Archangel is one with the most subtle presence in the Bible. His main biblical appearance is found in Book of Tobit, part of the Old Testament. In it, Which is the a part of the Apocrypha. descended to earth in order to follow Tobit during his journey, who was a God-fearing youngster, someone who loved God above all things. The angel assumed the human form and guided Tobit to his destination. In the middle of their journey, when Tobit and Raphael were on the banks of the Tigris, Tobias was attacked by a large fish that attempted to devour him. But Raphael encouraged him to fight the fish and drag it out of the water. Tobit managed to defeat the fish, and the Lord's angel asked him to keep the fish's heart and liver, as these items would be a healing instrument of the Lord. He would also have to keep the fish's call. The angel guided Tobit to his destination, where the latter was offered Sarah's hand. Although a beautiful young woman, she was possessed by demons. Sarah had already been married seven times, and in all of them, their husbands died before marriage. So how can Tobit be a feared to be another victim of that curse, but Raphael assured him that God was at his side. The angel instructed him how to proceed in order to protect himself from the demons. In this ritual, under Raphael's guidance, Tobit used the heart and liver of the great fish. With that, the demons were exorcised, and Tobit and Sarah managed to consummate their union. The Lord's angel protected Tobit on his return home, and when he found his father, who was blind, Tobit made use of the fish's call to promote a true miracle, following Raphael's guidance. After putting the gall on his father's eyes, his vision was restored. Due to this biblical passage, those who believe in the angelic figures also believe that the presence of the archangel Raphael helps in the healing of physical malaise 
akin to the healing process of Tobias's father's blindness, while also assisting in the healing of psychic and spiritual illnesses like with Sarah. The angel Raphael is also found in the Islamic culture as Israfil. According to Islamic tradition, this angel carries a trumpet that announces the coming of the Last Judgment. Catholics consecrated October the 24th as the Feast of Saint Raphael yeah, no. the Archangel, the bearer of the Lord's healing. And on September 29th, ceremonies are held in honor of the three great Archangels, Gabriel, Michael, and Raphael. So what do y'all think? Truth? No. A lot, of, a lot of baloney, and if anybody would have come with me with some intestines from, or uh, guts from a fish trying to say they're going to lay, lay that on me and heal me, run, because you'll probably get kicked. Um, I just think it's just some of these things are just really, really, you know, if we just, again, have some common sense and some stuff, I think we'll be a whole lot better. So this word, extra spicy, extra spicy. <laughs> it's the practice of using anomalies and animal entrails to predict or divine future events. This is divination. Okay? So this is what they call this fallen angel to do. Uh, the organs inspected include the liver, the intestines, and the lungs. And the animals used in this extra spicy must often be ritually pure and slaughtered in a special ceremony. So it's divination is what was going on. That, and again, they say in the book of Topet, which is an apocrypha, which is also like Enoch and things like that, don't go study them, don't go read them, you don't need to. You have the book, you probably haven't even read the Bible yet. So what are you doing studying these others? Uh, some churches attribute healings and miracles and signs, of, signs to angels saying they are commissioned by the Holy Spirit. Not true. Matter of fact, we are the ones that commission angels, by the way. All right? We are the ones. Um, the truth of the Holy Spirit always gives all glory to Jesus. And if, you, if any of them are wanting to be worshipped, then they're not of God. Jesus heals. And Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was wounded for what? Our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Jesus is the one that is healing us. It's not the entrails that heal, please. No, they're not. Matter of fact, I won't even eat liver. I'm not even going there. Uh, so stop believing everything you see and hear or experience to be from God. We have to stop it. I know that as Christians and as even, even non-believers, baby Christians, all they like, are trying to get closer to God because that's what their, their goal really is. They're trying to seek the power of God, and they're getting off astray, finding these things to worship, finding these things to believe, and they're going to go to hell. They're going to go to hell. It is our responsibility, as we know truth, then to start revealing it. Now, you've heard me talk about this MO. This is an angel that the prophetic movement started calling on. Uh, she's actually, or they say it's a he now, because too many of them are saying, what's he worshiping a female angel? And he's like, you know, some of you know who I'm talking about. Anyway, this is the Lord of the Underworld in the Japanese mythology. And yet, 
this one is saying that's who comes in to heal. Now, Azrael is the angel of death in sub-Abrahamic religions, namely Islam and some traditions of Judaism. He's also referenced in Sikhism. It's just, you know, I'm so far from that stuff. I don't like to even say these things. Anyway, so this is a comparison grid between Christianity and Islam. Uh, Christianity and angels, God created the angels. They're non-human, some of which fell to sin and became fallen angels. Angels are powerful, yes. The angels of the Lord are of hosts will carry out the will of God. In Islam, created beings without free will that serve God, angels were created from light. That's what they say. Again, this came from this person, Angels in Islam by Huda. She was an Islam expert. Uh, this is why they worship these angels. So Jibril, which is Gabriel, is in charge of communicating uh, Allah's words to his prophets. Um, Raphael, in charge of blowing the trumpet to mark the day of judgment. Uh, Michael, in charge of rainfall and sustenance. And uh, Munkar and Nakir, after death, these angels will question souls in the grave about their faith and deeds. Uh, and um, the Malik, um, Malt, is angel of death, in charge of taking possession of souls after death. No. Um, Malik is the guardian of hell. Ridwan is the guardian of heaven. You can see pictures. Guardian of hell, guardian of heaven. Wrong. Fallen angels don't dwell in a human. This is my saying. This is what I think. Fallen angels don't dwell in a human because they feel they are too powerful and higher ranked than the demons. And so they're just going to torment. They're going to come in. Um, they're bigger than you. They're better than you. Now, this is at the pool of Bethesda. And I like this picture because the guy's jumping in. He's to be first. And we'll see in the scripture why. He's going to be the first one in in these troubled waters. And then you see down here also in the right-hand side, it's like Jesus where he was healing that man. Now, at the pool of Bethesda, archaeologists discovered and excavated several snake figures at the pool. This is the truth. You go to Israel, that's what they have discovered there. Indicated that the area could be pagan ritual site that had snake figures of Eclepius, as Eclepius was the god of medicine and healing in ancient Greek religion. Right? Has a snake. That's what they're worshiping. It's a pagan god. Now, this came from this guy, Kenneth Humphrey's website. He states that amusingly, the stirred water bit troubled some early Christians, a natural manifestation of the water flow, but seemingly the action of non-Christian spirits. Hang in here with me, because I'm going to reveal something to you. So some copies of John Gospel added in an acceptable explanation, the water was stirred by an angel of the Lord. Healing was the prize of a cruel race. In other words, you'll see in the scriptures here in a minute that the first, the first ones in would be healed as the angel, an angel, stirred the water. Let's find out who that angel is, though. But if it there was already Christian magic at work, what need was there for Jesus to intervene? So later versions of John removed the angel. Now, you'll see this, too. This, I, this was a shock to me yesterday. Uh, he later states that the priestly purpose of the healing miracle of Bethsaida was to have Jesus neutralize the ancient magic of Eclepius. I surprisingly, he said, this is, this is whoever's writing this, I surprisingly agree with Humphreys in this, even though he is a man who believes that Jesus, Jesus never existed. 
It seemed that Jesus stepped in to make his mark in the pagan practice to show his power to heal this man. Jesus wasn't afraid to go there. He was a, he was a friend of the publicans and the sinners. He was, you know, he went places. He's God. He's all powerful. Now, look at here. This is NIV. Where's verse 4? But they removed it because there started to be controversy. There started to be controversy wondering, who's this angel? Uh, John 5, 1 says, Sometime later Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which is in Aramaic, is called Bethsaida, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Goes down to verse 5. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, you can find this happen in the NIV and these other uh, new type versions. They just take out scriptures or they take out the blood of Jesus. So what are you doing studying those Bibles? What are you doing? Right? But we still have to study the King James and find out what is it really saying. And just because you might read a commentary from a man doesn't mean that you are receiving the right discernment. Now, the Pool of Bethsaida was a type of pagan shrine to Asclepius, Asclepius, a Greek god. Asclepius was a god of healing. They worshipped him. Did demons transfer the to the people who got in the pool? I say yes. Because it was a pagan god that they were worshipping. Jesus doesn't have a problem going to that pagan pool. He's God. We all know Jesus knew who the true healer was. So if the pool of Bethsaida was a Roman shrine to a pagan god, was the paralytic a pagan rather than a Jew? He was a Jew. A great number of sick people where the gospel suggests that they were Jews. And the Babylonian Talmud mentions that people were actually cured after visiting the shrine of an idol. Yeah. They were healed. Not by Jesus. Not by God. A false god. Sick probably didn't care who healed them, that there was a chance that they could be cured. And the Jews rebuked the man after he was healed by Jesus on the Sabbath. You remember? Now, let's read. This is in the King James. Um, after there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there, is, now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in Hebrew tongue, Bethsaida, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind Halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Verse 4, this is important. Stay with me. For an angel, didn't say an angel of the Lord. Didn't say an angel of God. It didn't say I sent from God. Okay, so keep that in mind. For an angel went down at certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Could it be? Could it be? That that's a fallen angel? Yeah. I believe this is revelation. I don't believe that this is an angel of the Lord. Why would they have to, like, do you ever hear Jesus saying, whoever gets in first, I'll heal you. Hurry up, the troubled waters are here. Dive in. Uh, when we were in uh, Israel, you want to tell that right quick? Do you have your microphone on? Where the, the, the guide told us this, but I have a remark to make about that. About the uh, animal sacrifice. Going into the pool. 
Oh yeah. Okay. The the uh, the tour guide, which was lived in Israel, he was Jewish, said that the every day they washed the four horns uh, altar, and that that water went down into like an underground cavern, and that's what was causing the troubling of the water, and that's the reason that sacrifice the ashes coming off the altar healed people. That's what he told us. But I can tell you what, that's not what heals. The ashes coming off an altar are not going to heal. Jesus is the one that heals. Amen? So I believe, and this is my opinion, you can disagree with me. Don't talk to me ever again. Okay. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, but I believe that where it said an angel was not an angel of God. And I do believe could have been the fallen angels they worship, like Raphael, or this MO, this underworld, you know, um, fallen angel, mysticism, paganism, the cultism, all the above. I, I won't go on to read the rest of the story, but you could read it yourself in John 5 through 9, and it talks that, you know, Jesus healed the man. He's like, I can't get in. Nobody will put me in the water. I can't get in. I've been laying here for 38 years. I can't get in. But Jesus healed him. But you know what? He was still, this man was still looking to have this fallen angel heal him. But yet Jesus healed him. He's like, oh, yeah, that man over there, he healed me. It was Jesus, the Son of God. Now, here are some of the roles of angels. Angels protect saints. True? Yes. Most Christians have experienced angels in our lives. Yes, true. Angels sometimes intervene and give messages from God. True. Angels do not give their name to bring attention to themselves. They don't. They don't bring attention to themselves. Uh, there's also, they don't make a wind of change. In other words, they don't usher in some kind of movement. This great awakening, you keep hearing that. The great awakening is going to happen. The great revival is going to happen. It's going to be ushered in by the angels of God. No, it's not. <coughs> it said that Emma, which is this fallen angels, to bring prophetic movement to, is a lie. Angels do not advance the kingdom of God and preach the gospel. Okay? Angels do not heal. Uh, false angels preach a different gospel. Angels are spirits created to serve God's purposes. Yes. Angels fight forces of spiritual darkness. Yes. Angels worship God. Yes. Angels are ministering spirits to us. Yes. Angels execute judgment. Um, angels strike down, like, the, for example, execute judgment like the angels struck down the firstborn son. Okay? Now, just as we are created beings, so are angels. And they're never to be worshipped. He says in Psalms 91 that he will give his angels charge over thee to keep us in all thy ways. To keep thee in all thy ways. That's what the Word of God says. So there's much flakiness going on, weird stuff going on, foolish concepts that are being circulated in the Christian community, and they have to be corrected. If we don't hold tightly to Scripture, we might unknowingly give birth to a cult that we could bring great damage and division to the church worldwide. It's time, folks, to get back to the Bible. We preach from the King James Bible. 
If you get into some of the other versions, they're leaving and omitting things out. Doesn't mean I, Sanko disagrees with me, it doesn't mean, now it is the infallible word of God, yes, I agree. But yet we have to still do our study. Just like the, the commentary for uh, John uh, 5, 4 would say there was an angel of the Lord. But we have to have revelation from the Lord t- at times, right? That was not an angel of the Lord. It said an angel and it was not of God. Anybody agree with me in here? Anybody disagree with me in here? You're afraid to say now. <laughs> Open that door. No, okay. <laughs> Can you see it, though, like I'm seeing it? I really do need to know. Amen. All right. So, first of all, Jesus is our God. He's the one. He's our great healer. It's only by him accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our God, shall we have eternity with Jesus, have eternal life. That's the only way. That's the only way. And it's not by worshiping, praying to angels, praying to other gods, false gods, idols. It's not about that. It's not about confessing your sins to a guy that's dressed in a robe. Only Jesus can forgive you of your sins. It says, for all of sin comes short of the glory of God. All of us. So you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Then you have to go tell somebody, Jesus is my Lord, my God. And then you lead others to Christ. Amen? And then it says you also have to repent. Turn from your wicked way. So pray this with me. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who died on the cross, arose three days later, sits at the right hand of the Father. I accept his blood to wash away my sins. Write my name in the book of life. Keep me holy. Save me in the day of trouble. And then with boldness, in Jesus' name, amen. I encourage you to share this with all of your friends. You can click on like and share and subscribe. And if you'd like to donate, you can click on the link below. If you need to contact us, especially if you just accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and also if you've walked away from these pagan, pagan occult uh, rituals and, and churches and Catholic church, if you've walked away saying, you've opened up my eyes, Leslie, you've opened up my eyes, I'm walking away. I'm going to serve the true God, the true Jesus. I want to hear from you. So email contact at trainingtheprophets.com. Excuse me, that put the wrong thing there. Contact at spiritofprophecychurch.com. But you can reach me, Leslie, at trainingtheprophets.com. Go to uh, also my website, trainingtheprophets.com. Start watching the teachings there. I encourage you to do so. There's resources there and also with the Prophecy Club and Spirit of Prophecy Church. Well, God bless. Love to hear from you. So, Leslie Ann, as you know, is the, uh, the owner of Joseph Kitchen which I might say publicly, she is doing a marvelous job, far better than I would be able to do. Anyway, she set up with the Word Network out of Detroit the opportunity for her and I to go to Detroit to make a 
30-minute infomercial about Joseph Kitchen. So we flew up there, and that's the guy I told you about last week with 200 cars and five houses and stuff like that. And we videotaped a 2830, and yesterday they played it three times, I think, maybe even four, for no charge on work network, just just to help us get going. And as of September the 5th, Prophecy Club is going to be on there at 2 p.m., Monday through Friday. And this is a large network. It doesn't just cover Detroit, and it doesn't just cover America. It covers... Three billion homes. There you go. <clears throat> Three billion homes. And uh, do we know if we got any response from it yesterday? Okay. Well, I have an idea to make it even better at the end. They, they need to have more of the, the explanation of what to do. Anyway, um, Prophecy Club, so we're going to go back on TV, but we're just going to continue playing the same program the same program that I've been putting on all of the, on your favorite social media platform. There you go. I've got to get my words right. So, anyway, hopefully we will have some good news to say about that. Yeah, uh, so, uh, how long is this Pro Bowl list, Lynn? Okay. So, uh, you can see kind of what it's like. If you want to, if you have DirecTV, we know what channel it's on. It's on channel 373, Word Network, 373 if you have DirecTV, and it comes on, the promo 30-minute program comes on tonight at 9.30 p.m. Starting next week. TBN's going to put them on free, too. And starting next week, they'll be on four times a week, right, four times? And also, eventually... It was called Word Special. It's called a word special, and it's, it's going to be tonight at 9.30 p.m. If you want to see the whole thing. Uh, also, uh, staying with the Prophecy Club, eventually they're going to be Monday through Thursday. I'm supposed to be taking Friday, from what I understand, for Train the Prophets. So I'm excited about that. We're getting all that ready. All right, let's watch a little bit of the promo. Hi, welcome to Joseph's Kitchen. My name is Leslie Richitelli, the owner and founder of Joseph's Kitchen, and this is my father, Stan Johnson. We'd like to show you how to make your own homemade whole wheat bread. You can think of us as your farm-to-table new way of making healthy homemade whole wheat bread, and we would love to show you how. A lot of people are saying that there are food shortages coming, and a lot of people are getting long-term storage food freeze-dried food and things like that. That costs anywhere from nine to $10,000 per person per year. Let me say it again. About nine to $10,000 one person, one year. At Joseph's Kitchen, we can show you how to do it for about $1,000 per person. There are very few things in life that can feed a person cheaper than whole wheat bread. And there are very few things in life that are more nutritious than whole wheat bread. She recalled Pharaoh had a dream. He said there's going to be seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. What they stored up was wheat. It was not corn, not rice, not beans. It was wheat. The world lived off of wheat for seven years, which is why we call it Joseph Kitchen. At Joseph Kitchen, we show you how to feed your family for 
about $1,000 a year. That's right. And actually, we test our product. So that way you know each harvest you're getting the right type of wheat made specifically for bread. Because there's thousands of different kinds of wheat berries out there. But how do you know which one to choose? There's some that are actually made for just pizza dough or tortillas because it doesn't rise. There's not the protein content in the wheat berry. But at Joseph's Kitchen, we test every single harvest, all of our wheat, all of our ingredients to make sure it's ready for bread making at home. In other words, we make certain you get the right wheat to make your bread. If you don't get the right wheat, your bread doesn't rise and you get a brick. So, you know, I thought kudos to you two. Y'all did an amazing job. And, you know, the first time like Leslie Ann's done something like this, Stan's done some TV programs and stuff before, and they always end up just letting Stan go. He knows more than what they're doing. And I told Leslie Ann, she goes, well, I need somebody to be producing it. Tell us what to do. Tell me what to say. I said, they aren't going to do it. I promise you, you and your dad get up there. They're going to like... Let them go. They pushed the button. They pushed the button to record. They did not have a teleprompter. They did this. So praise the Lord. Well, I want to step back up here because I have to say Leslie Ann was just off the chart good. Just, just wow. I mean, she, you know, as she said, I've done a lot of TV. You expect me to be able to know what I'm doing, not her, but she was running right with me. She was really good, and I was very, very. And pleased and impressed with Leslie yeah. Ann. I like the she's personality. She's doing a wonderful job with the company, too. Yes, the personality was coming out. It wasn't just boring. It was good. And she even pointed to him and said, old. That was great. I liked that part, too. That was funny. So they had their personality coming out, and it was like a father-daughter thing, and it was, it was awesome. All right, so come on up. It's time to pray. Let's stand up and pray. Then we're going to take up an offering. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this, this um, day of the Lord. Lord, you're good, and your mercies endureth forever. Lord, I thank you that we can come just humbly before you. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. We want you to be here. We want to do praise and worship that's pleasing to you. Let everything be done decently and in order. And Lord, we are a church that want the truth. No matter how much it hurts, we want the truth. No matter how much we have to set aside from our past, we want the truth. And I pray that all those that are also watching online, that they desire truth. Lord, I ask that you make us the head and not the tail. I ask that you would have the truth prevail. And the word of the Lord would get out to the nations, not just this nation. We just declare it and we prophesy it and we speak it forth in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for all that you do. I thank you for touching those right where they have a need and healing them. Lord, you're the healer. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'll turn it over to Brandon. How are we doing today? There it is. Hallelujah. Here in just a second, we'll, uh, we'll take up the offering. I want you to remember two words today, more abundantly, more abundantly. So, um, you know, the word, the word reference is life more abundantly, but as we give, there's, there is blessing, there is an abundance that can be bestowed upon us. So I want you to close your eyes for a second. I want you to picture yourself in the middle of a, of a wheat field, as far as the eye can see. And right down the middle, there's two strips that haven't been sown yet. Two strips. 
I want to encourage you this morning to to continue to give so that those blessings on the left and the blessings on the right can come together and we can receive more abundantly. So hang in there, keep giving, keep giving, and just, just push just a little bit more. Because we don't do this for ourselves anyways. This is for the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. It's all for him. And the more we push, the more we sacrifice, and the more we give, the more abundantly we are blessed. So, Father, I just thank you so much for that. We praise your holy name. And so as we come forward this morning in the prophetic act of giving in the blue bucket for the church, y'all come forward whenever you're ready. We receive that abundance, Lord. We thank you for it. All right. It's time for... Oh, no. Let's do that one again. It's time for... Okay, come on, adults. All I hear is little kids over here. We're going to shout and praise our mighty God. Amen. Amen, amen. Time to get excited. Hallelujah. It's time for... Praise and worship. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. King of kings and Lord of lords, we worship you, God. You are King of kings, Lord of lords, and Alpha and Omega, Father God. You are worthy and worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Praise a hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies. Praise a hallelujah. Louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is. Yes, it is. Come on. I raise a hallelujah. In heaven comes to fight for me. Cause I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. Hallelujah. Come on, let's put our hands together. Take it to a higher level this morning. Come on, get out of your comfort zone. Here we go. I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah, and I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. I raise a hallelujah. Cause fear you've lost your hold on me And I'm gonna sing In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my praises roar Up from the ashes Hope will arise 
raise a hallelujah to you. Come on. Sing a little louder. Yes, sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. You are the only king forever 
every knee will bow at his throne. For Jesus, the Lamb of God, our Savior and King, you alone are worthy of our praise forever. You alone are seated on the throne of heaven. Wonderful and full of grace. Hallelujah. Who is this king so worthy that nations fear and kingdoms praise? For Jesus, the Lamb of God, our Savior.
are worthy and you deserve all the glory. King of kings and Lord of lords, we come humbly in spirit and unity in you in truth to worship your magnificent name.
For those of you that don't know, this is my mother, Mrs. The Mrs. Flournoy. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. Ms. Brandon, yes. Um, she has played the piano for the Lord for <laughs> whew, a couple years. A couple years is right, yes. So if, if I may have just a second, I'd, I'd like to share something with you. Servitude servitude 
ever since you were a little girl, you have played for the Lord. Practically your entire life, you have been a servant to the Most High behind, behind the piano. Now, granted, you, you study the Word, and your prayers are powerful, but there is just as much power in your fingers touching that piano, those keys. <laughs> we all make mistakes, yes. So I just want to encourage you in that the Lord, and this is just what I'm sensing this morning, that he looks forward to every moment you give him behind that piano. He looks forward to that. It's precious, just like we were talking the other day. It is a sweet fragrance unto the throne of God. It is a sweet fragrance unto the throne of the Father. And he looks forward to whether you're practicing, whether you're performing, it doesn't matter. He looks forward to that time with you. Let me just say one more thing. One more thing here. Um, what is the title of a daughter to a king? To him, you are a princess. You are a princess. I want you to keep that and remember that. Encourage yourself with that. He sees you as his princess. For you are a daughter of the Most High. Amen. The King of Kings. Hallelujah. Do you receive that today? Yes. yes. <laughs> All right, Ted, come up here. We've got to get the other side of his. He's got the talent from Mama here, but he also has talent from his dad. So this is my father, Ted Flournoy. I own and operate third-generation plumbing. And this right here is the, the second generation. The first one's gone on to be with the Lord, but he passed on. Whew, he passed on humility. He did not pass on arrogance. He passed along pride. In other words, do a great job not just a good job, and you'd be proud of it. Amen. The Lord sees it. doesn't matter if anyone else does. Amen. But the Lord loves you. He's proud of you. He cares for you just the same. You're a son of the Most High. Amen. You are a son in the Most High. You have a seat at the table just like the rest of us do. Amen. He, has, he has seen everything that you've done. He's seen everything that you've done, just like the rest of us, but he's proud of the effort that you have put forth for everything that you have done in your servitude for others. Amen. Even though, even though it's plumbing, it's still a servant to the Most High. Well, we need you. <laughs> you, you, you. You gave it to him, and he's proud of you for that. And there's much more to come. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Thank you guys for coming. It's so nice to meet you and coming to visit. I don't want to follow that. I know. And um, I think it's only a seven-hour drive every week. Yes. <laughs> What's that? That was beautiful. Thank you, Marlene.
I think she's saying we expect to see you every Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, sort of. That's kind of what I'm saying. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this man of God. I thank you that I'm able to call him my husband. And also, Lord, I thank you that I'm also able to call him a son of the Most High God, that he loves you with all his heart, and he desires to bring the spirit of truth to your people. He desires to bring revelation to your people. And, Lord, I ask that you'll give him the words today that only are coming from you, that not from man, but from you. And, Lord, we give you all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. And I thank you for anointing him with your message today. And, Lord, let us not walk out forgetting the messages that you've already given this morning and the ones to come, the one to come. Let us have remembrance, and as we sit around the table this afternoon or this evening, that we talk about it and we have remembrance about it in Jesus' name. And I encourage you to do that. You know, the enemy wants to steal the messages from you, right? So we have to make an effort to talk about the messages and not say, you know what, I don't know what it was said. Pay attention, for we take authority over a dumb, deaf spirit, and we command it out of here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So during our praise and worship, it said, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You agree? Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb to do what? Revelation chapter 5, I saw in the right hand of him that sat upon the throne a book written within and on the backside and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? No man in heaven nor on the earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man's found worthy to open a book, open and read the book, neither look thereon. One of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I saw in the midst of the throne and the four beasts and the four and twenty elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which is the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. When he took the book, the four and twenty elders, and the four beasts fell down before the Lamb, each of them having harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang, as it were, a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals there, because thou was slain, has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld in the midst of the throne. I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the number was them ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all the random heard I saying, Blessing, honor, glory and power be in him that sat upon the throne and him that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the congregation says, Amen. Amen. And I say, Amen. He is worthy to open the book. Why? Because he was perfect. He was the perfect sacrifice. 
Today I'm encouraged to bring to you hope. And that's what he keeps telling me to this congregation. You have endured some tough sermons. You have endured sound doctrine. In a day and time when we live, when people will not endure sound doctrine, they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They hire to themselves pastors that will preach what they want, not what he wants. That's an amen place, right? Right? So, what he wants to do is to bring... (laughs) It moved. It was here. It moved. (laughs) Where'd it go? I can wing it, but I have an order. I know what, Leslie, why don't you come on up and tell your story first. Leslie's going to tell you a story about sitting at a, a light and how she was going to be in an unavoidable accident, and all of a sudden, she wasn't. So, I don't remember what year or age. I'm not like him that can remember back into the 70s and 60s. 50s, 40s, should I stop? Okay, um, but <laughs> I, I was in my little red Honda, you know, those things are really lightweight, small, and I pulled up to a stoplight, and there's a really, really busy intersection where I grew up, and I'm at that busy intersection, and it's midday, right around lunch when everybody's in a hurry, traffic is not the kindest at the moment, I'm the first one in front of the stoplight, I'm giving you the visual so you kind of understand here. So there's a left lane and then two middle lanes and then a right lane to go to turn right. So I figured, okay, I'm here at the stoplight, first one in the line. I look in my rearview mirror and there's oncoming traffic going across me, lots and lots of cars. I look in my rearview mirror and I hear squealing and I see smoke coming from this big dump truck and he has brakes were out or something. So you just hear squealing, honking on his horn, laying on his horn, smoke going everywhere, and he's not slowing down. And so I don't know what to do. I can't turn right because there's lots of cars here, and there's lots of cars on my left. I can't go straight because there's oncoming traffic, and I don't have where to go. I'm the only one in front of him in this lane. And so I grip my, my wheel as hard and as tight as I can, and ever since I was a little kid, my parents taught me blood of Jesus. Every time I get onto an airplane, I touch that plane, say, blood of Jesus, still to this day. I have never missed it once. So immediately, that's all I could do. That's all I could think of because there's, there's no hope. There's, no, there's nothing for me left. This is it. So I grab my steering wheel, and I'm like, blood of Jesus, 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 as hard as I can with every bit of my being. And I open my eyes, and I'm on the other side of the oncoming traffic, on the other side of a red stoplight right there, with no other cars around me. That's <laughs> kind of strange. How in the world did I get here? And I'm shaking from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And I don't know what in the world just happened. Because I just gradually went through oncoming traffic. No. The Lord's angels moved me onto the other side and kept me safe. Now, what happened with that dump truck? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened. It was gone. So, again, I don't know what 
necessarily happened or what God had in place, but it reminded me and told me that his angels are always with you. So I pulled off into the side parking lot and I sat there for a good 20 minutes, called my parents. And again, I'm shaking and I know with every cell in my body, what just happened, um, that the Lord just saved me from a really bad tragedy that was about to happen. I also have one more. I don't know if you remember. It's short, sweet. Go ahead. But I was coming home from dance practice, and it's like 2 a.m. And our exit to our house is a big round turn, and then you go under the overpass. Make sense? So you're going down under, under the overpass. In the middle of the night, right? So I'm coming, and I'm going down, and I was late leaving um, my dance rehearsal. I was, we were supposed to get done at midnight. Well, so I'm already late. And on, when I was on my way home, and I'm telling you this for a reason too, when I was on my home, on my way home about to exit, all of a sudden I just slowed down. I should be in a hurry getting home. I'm exhausted. But I slowed down a few minutes before my exit. And then I realized, I was like, what am I, I'm going like 50. So I put my gas back on. <laughs> I never go 50. So I put <laughs> Yeah, my da- my dad's daughter. So uh, I speed up, and then I go and I take my exit. As I'm going underneath the overpass, semi truck. Oh, it still gets me today. A semi truck going on the overpass, the highway, was on fire, and went down and fell off the overpass nose first. And if I would have been there a few seconds before, that would have been right on top of me. So luckily he was safe. He got out. He was fine. But the so there was a um, amusement park stuff in the back, and it rubbed together, and it caused friction and created a fire. So, again, the Lord's angels were, was with me and guided me, and I think that slowing down was God's way of protecting me. You know, when you forget something, you have to turn around, go back home, and grab something. That might be the Lord just telling you, you know. So, I'm done. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that's what he wants to say today. I am your hope. I am your salvation. I'm your protection. And what he, as I was just praying over here before I got up here, again he tells me, I will protect my own. I will protect my own. I keep my promises. I will protect and provide for my own. And as you recall, about three weeks ago we talked about come out of her, my people. In other words, you can't, lie, you can't walk with the devil, talk with the devil, look like the devil, act like the devil, expect to get God's protection. Got to come out of her. Also, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He will not leave us. As the trouble hits, he will be with us. Also, there's power in the blood of the Lamb. You just heard it here. Blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. Now, that was Leslie Ann's Red Honda story. Now, Leslie's got a story of a barefoot angel. today so that's kind of interesting um yes so it was uh we lived in Topeka at the time and Leslie was around 12 years old and it was the first snowstorm of um there in Kansas that day of Topeka and but with Leslie and I we needed to go to our office where it was located at the time it was only about a couple of miles from our house we had to just go up our block turn right and then go up another maybe mile or so 
And so we kind of debated whether to get out to go run the errands that we needed to do. So we decided to go ahead, and we got in the car and left. And you would think, you know, the, the ground is still pretty warm. It's going to, like, melt, right? It's not going to be icy or anything like that. So that's one reason we went ahead and, and went. Now, if you haven't been in Kansas during a, any kind of storm, mm, they can have storms. So we, we got up to the stop sign. I was driving, got up to the stop sign. And I turned right, and when I put on the gas, my car started spinning. And it got, like, out of control spinning. And so all this is just happening so fast. And I could see coming up the road, I could see that there was a little red car. And then behind that little red car was a big white Suburban. And I'm panicking, and so I grabbed, like Leslie Ann said, all I could do is grab the wheel. She's yelling. She's 12 years old, but she's yelling, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. I'm grabbing her the steering wheel because there's no control. Blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. My eyes are closed. And I was like, Lord, thank you for your protection. Thank you for your protection. Blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus, blood of Jesus. All of a sudden, my car stopped, and it's facing the opposite direction than what I was going. And I'm like, and all of a sudden I remember those cars that are coming. So I'm waiting for the impact and nothing happens. And I open my eyes and the little red car is in front of me. And I'm going, oh no, that big old white Suburban. So I close my eyes again, wait for the impact, wait for the impact, wait for the impact. And all of a sudden nothing happens. And I'm like, what's going on? Again, I open up my eyes and there's nothing coming behind me. There's no white Suburban. There's nothing and I'm like, praise you, Jesus. <laughs> praise you, Jesus. And so I told Leslie Ann, I said, instead of going home, I'm going to turn the car back around. We're going to go right up the road, about a mile, mile and a half, to the office, because we got to go tell them what happened. we got to share the good news. we got to rejoice what the Lord did for us. So we go to the office. I, um, Leslie Ann stayed in the car, and it was like a little half-circle drive. And then I walked up into the door, up to the door, walked in. Now, you have to remember, like, you know, there's fresh snow that's on the ground. So every step I take, I'm putting my imprint into the snow. I walk in. I said, everybody gather around. I got to tell you what just happened. I got to tell you how the Lord just protected Leslie Ann and I. And then there was a lady that she was about eight and a half months pregnant there. And I said, Heidi, I said, I don't want you driving home in this. And one of our workers, Dave, he says, Heidi, I'll take you home. Let me, you know, just go wait outside, go wait out the door. Um, you just wait right there, and I'll come pick you up at the, at the door, and then I'll take you home. So she walks outside. I'm still inside telling everybody what happened, and we're rejoicing. And then she looks down in the ground, and from my car into the door is imprints. Now, everywhere my, where my step was, where my footprint was, was a big footprint so there was a big footprint everywhere my step was and she looked and she's like first she goes now leslie doesn't have that big of a foot and she's like what is leslie walking barefoot anyway and she's like that's not her foot and then as i walk out she's laughing and i said what's the matter she goes you have a barefoot angel she says see the imprints i was like oh my goodness Lord, let us see in the natural what was going on in the spirit realm. So to God be the glory, huh? That's what imprints in the snow. I thought I made that. Maybe I didn't. Imprints in the snow. Isn't the Lord good? Yes, give the Lord praise.
Can you think of some times where the Lord has blessed you that way? The point here is, I want to let you know that our God is able. Our God is able. He's able to provide. He's able to protect. Dimitri told me this story. He says, I was on a, pl- on a train in Romania. He said it was a long trip, and he said, so I'd fallen asleep, and I had a couple of suitcases. He says, all of a sudden, I heard this voice hollering at me, Dimitri, Dimitri, wake up, get up, get off the train, get off the train. He said, so I, you know, I kind of shook off to sleep. I made the doors open. I grabbed my suitcases. I stepped off the train. The train took off. He said, then I looked, and the train just kept going. He says, I was in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it, it was like some kind of a temporary postal stop or something. People weren't even supposed to get off. He thought, what's going on? So he picked up his two suitcases, and now he's walking towards the city. And he said he went around the curve, and he says, there's the train. Wow. Went off the track. Our God is able. He is our hope. One day, Dmitry Dudeman, that smuggled Bibles into Romania and Russia for some 30 years, he had smuggled some 300,000 New Testaments and other various books into uh, Romania and Russia. He said, but what happened was, he said, we had just been getting just Romanian Bibles. He said, but all of a sudden, the only thing that's coming through is the Russian Bibles. He said, and I didn't have like a warehouse. He said, just put them in my house. He said, and it got to where they were stacking up so much in the house, he, I couldn't even walk, you know, in the house. We just, a whole house full of Russian Bibles. He said, so I started praying to God, what do I do with these Russian Bibles? They're just clogging up my house. And he said, his dad came to him and says, what's wrong with you? You're so pale. He said, I don't know. I, 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 my house is filling up with these Bibles. I don't know what to do with them. I want to take them to Russia, but I don't know how to get them through. He said, oh, you want to take them to Russia? He said, yeah. Did you pray? Yes. Did you fast? No. He said, fast and pray, and God will show you how to get them through. He said, so I prayed and I fasted. And he said, that night the angel came to me. He said, Dimitri, get up. Get up. He says, look on your palm. And he said, on the palm of his hand, it was written, an address. He didn't write it. The angel wrote it on his palm. He said, go to this address tomorrow morning. Be there at precisely 8 o'clock. And he said, I will be ahead of you. He said, and this man is going to help you to get the Bibles through. So he said, I did as I was told. So I went to the address. I knocked on the door. And this man came to the front door and he's shaking all over like this. What? What? He says, what do you want? He says, I want to take Bibles to Russia. He says, who are you? And he says, I was sent here by the one was before. Apparently the angel had just left visiting the guy at the train station. So it took and showed him. He said, so in the rain, train tracks in Russia are wider than the train tracks in Romania. So as they bring in the trains full of Bibles in Romania... They have to switch wheels, yield, tracks, wheels, something. They have to, wheels. They have to switch wheels. And while they're switching wheels, 
they had a chance then to move the Bibles from the Romanian trains to the Russian trains. And he said, and that allowed them to sneak in Bibles for a long, long time. I'm only saying that there's going to be a time when you say, what do I do about food? What do I do about water? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I, do? I heard a story about a lady had a dream. She says, it was during the time of the Mark of the Beast. He said, she said that they had no way to get any food and they simply sat down in front of the plate, empty plate, bowed their heads, thanked the Lord for the food, and they opened their eyes and the plate was full of food. I remember when Leslie and I first got started in Prophecy Club, we had some spaghetti. See, I knew she'd laugh. Because that spaghetti just kept multiplying. And it kept lasting. And We lived off of spaghetti for a long time. Probably about two, three months before I went full-time into Prophecy Club, there was a time when I was still doing the sales job. I'll say it that way. I was doing the sales job, and I thought I was just, you know, pretty good. I mean, after all, I teach a sales course, you know. You know, all this sales training background and everything. I know what I can do. I can go out and I can work three weeks out of the month in Prophecy Club, and then I'll go out and sell for one week, and I'll sell so much in that one week, then I can just cover all my bills so that I can spend like three weeks a month in Prophecy Club, a week a month in sales. So I'd gone out, and I thought, oh, I'm going I'm to start early. I'm going to stay late. So I had my first appointment like 8 o'clock every morning, and I, I, sometimes it was 6 or 7 or 8 o'clock at night I had an appointment. And I, I mean, I said, you know, I was... I had a lot of appointments. I was enthusiastic. I used all of the right sales closes. I was, <laughs> I did everything I could possibly do. Now you have to understand, I probably had an 80 or 90% closing average. That's, that's good for you, right? That's good. That's good, yeah. I went a whole week and I didn't make one sale. Not one. And I thought, you don't understand. This is Stan. <laughs> what's going what's going on so you know see I, I i at this point i didn't i would say i didn't know god i knew him but i didn't walk with him i didn't understand i don't know the words i didn't understand he's real and that's what i'm trying to communicate to you this morning i want you to know if you don't know that he really is real he really is there. He hears every thought, every word, everything. He will never leave us nor forsake us. So it's Friday night. I'm driving home. I remember I'm having to look into the sun. I was driving from St. Joseph, Missouri, back to Topeka, Kansas, where I lived. I can't believe I have gone a week, not only did I have low sales? I had no sales. So now it's getting to the point to where Stan is going to have to, you know, like learn about this God that he's now about to work full time for. And so, you know, this wasn't a very reverent prayer. I understand, but you have to understand, I didn't really know God that much, and I was just coming to know him. So... I hit the steering wheel and I said, God, I said, look it. 
Again, it's not a very reverent prayer. I hit the st- God, look at I said, as you know, I have done my best to try to bring in money. I started early. I stayed late. I gave a good presentation. And as you know, I don't have any sales. And as you know, I need $2,000 by money to pay the bills. I said, and you know that I'm in trouble because of you and that prophecy club. My wife said at least he didn't say his wife. <laughs> so I said, so here's the way it is. got to have $2,000 by Monday. Or I'm going to have to park this Prophecy Club stuff. And I have to throw all of my energy, all of my time back into sales. i got to catch up and pay my bills. So I need $2,000 by Monday in Jesus' name. Boy, if there's a prayer I didn't think made it through the ceiling of that car, it was that prayer. That night, we'd had a guy come by and said uh, he picked up a couple of tapes because we had a, a bank of uh, VCR recorders. We had one master, and then we played like, I don't know, one time there was like 60 of them in our bedroom. So every two and a half hours, it would go, all 60 of them rewinding. So we'd get up and pull all the, the recorded ones and put in new ones and just started recording again. So it was recording constantly for all the, because that's, how Prophecy Club was getting money. He'd come by to get a DVD, and he said, uh, no, not DVD, a VHS tape. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, <laughs> VHS tape. <laughs> what dates me, man. He'd come by to get a, a, a VHS tape. He says, he sees all these banks of VCRs. He said, you guys need a burglar alarm. I said, yeah, need to and can do two different things. He said, I'll put in burglar alarms. I'll put you in one for free. So I got home that evening in Prophecy Club. You know, I'm typing away. He's putting the alarm system in. He pops his head around the corner. He says, I'm impressed the Lord to, to make a $500 donation to Prophecy Club. Well, this is news to me. See, because... People don't give salespeople money. <laughs> ain't, ain't nothing like this. Never happened to this boy from Texas, you know. Mm-mm. I said, well, do whatever the Lord's telling you to do. Saturday afternoon, the next day, the yellow phone. <laughs> now, some of you know what this means. Probably most of you don't know. <laughs> the yellow phone, phone rang. This was from Prophecy Club. So I ran through the house. Prophecy Club, Stan Johnson speaking. I couldn't wait to answer the phone and talk to someone. Now it's like, <laughs> no. And it was a guy that had been to one of our meetings. He said, I'm impressed the Lord to make a sizable donation to Prophecy Club. I said, well, do whatever the Lord is telling you to do. That's great. Out of curiosity, what's the amount? He said $1,500. So by Monday morning, by the way, when he brought the check over Sunday night, it was made to Stan Johnson, not Prophecy Club. And the $500 were five $100 bills. So by Monday morning, I had $2,000. I say that because I want you to know in the time of trouble ahead, I want you to know God is real. He is on the throne, but he is in your heart. 
and he will be there. He keeps his word for the good or for the correction. He keeps his word. Leslie's testimony. I'm going to ask her to come up and give this testimony, but here's the skinny about what she's about to say. This lady, uh, Joni Erickson Tata, this is actually a picture of her diving into the lake. She thought it was deeper, and it wasn't that deep, and she broke her neck. This is how Leslie got saved. Go ahead. Noah's doing this one. Um, Hopefully I can make it through on this one. Um, I have a very unusual uh, salvation story. I um, went to, there was a movie out regarding Johnny Erickson Tata. Which is called Johnny. And um, couldn't wait to go see it. So a friend of mine and I, we went to the movies. I was probably 17 at the time. Now, you're going to have to stay with me on this because it's going to be so unusual. Some of you might say it can't happen this way. Well, the Lord's on the throne, so just hear my testimony because this is what happened. So 17 years old, decided to go to this movie, this friend of mine and I, and at the end of the movie, and it was about her testimony and how she's serving the Lord and everything. Well, at the end of the, the, the movie, there was a man that was at the front of the theater, and he was, he was speaking words to accept Jesus, salvation's message kind of towards, like towards me, like a salvation, like, you know, you've got to accept Jesus uh, as God and that kind of thing. That's, those are kind of the things that I remember. I was bawling in my, my seat. Everybody's leaving the theater. My friend is trying to drag me out. And I just kept crying and crying and crying and crying. I said, no, I've got to go up to the front. I've got to go up to the front. She's like, why do you have to go up to the front? I said, I've got to go up to the front. Come with me. Come with me. Come with me. She's like, fine, but we've got to get out of here. So I go up to the front, and I asked Jesus into my heart. Uh, this man handed me a little card, like a little index card, and it had on there the day of my salvation. It had a date stamped on there. And I was so, so excited about that card. So here I'm 17 years old. I go home and I put it on my bulletin board and um, was so happy to have that up on my bulletin board. Couldn't wait to tell people about that. And my friend, you know, kept thinking I was kind of crazy that day, but I didn't care. I thought she was crazy for not asking Jesus into her heart that day. Well, the next morning I wake up and that card is not on the bulletin board. It's nowhere to be found. I was so distraught. I was so upset. I was very, very, very upset about it. Because I love the Lord at that moment. And, um, again, just 17-year-old. Years later, Stan and I were at a, NRB. an NRB. I don't know what that stands for, but it's National Religious, National Broadcasting. Religious Broadcasting. Um, and we left the, where, we, you know, where the, all the vendors were and everything. And we were going up to our room. And at the same time, we were walking up to the elevator. Johnny Erickson Tata and her husband, he was wheeling her into the to the elevator. I just broke down and started crying. It's because of her that I was saved. Finally, I, we get off the elevator, compose myself enough, and stands like she got saved because of that movie that you did. And so when I got composed, I asked her, I said, did you have like a preacher at the front of 
you know, in the theaters, did you work this out with theaters? Did you have some preacher come in after every movie to, to give the salvation message for people to come up and get, ask Jesus into their heart? She's like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that at a theater. And I'm like, well, yes, that's what happened. That's what you did, right? She goes, no. And I'm like, this is really, really strange. And so I told her the story, got to touch her, pray for her, thank her for her message that I accepted the Lord. And she was in awe about what had happened to me. Now we go on years later, and I'm writing the book, What It Takes to Be a Prophet. And um, I'm putting the math together. Because I look up because I thought, I wonder what year that that movie came out. And I put the math together. Now, please stay with me. Put the math together. Yeah, five years later. The movie had not come out till five years after I was age 17. It was like everything happened beforehand. With me, I hope y'all understand what I'm trying to say, because I was telling Stan, I said, "There's no way." At age 22, I mean, I had a son, I was married, I was going to school, I had, I didn't have funds, I didn't go to a movie, I didn't go, I didn't take my friend with me. Then I was still in high school when all this happened, and so I kept on and on, like, "What? How? How can this happen?" And I called a, a major prophet friend of mine. I said, "You gonna help me? What happened?" How can this be? And I don't know if you've ever been anywhere beforehand or how Lord has times, like with, my, with the car situation with Leslie Ann and I, where it's been translated somewhere else. I mean, it just happens. I mean, the Lord just loves us so much. But I, you know, at 17, the reason that card wasn't there is because it was supernatural. It was a spiritual thing. It wasn't a natural thing that happened. That's why it was never to be found again. But I asked Jesus in my heart. I've been serving him since. And um, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you for what you've done with Jerry Erickson, Johnny Erickson Tata. I pray you continue to use her. In Jesus' name. Prophecy Club had been going, <clears throat> it started in June of 1993. This was the first Thanksgiving a few months later. Leslie came to me, This I think it was the day before Thanksgiving. She says, do you have any rat hole money? What? You know, like money hidden away in the back of your billfold or something. Do you have any, any money any place? I said, no. Why? She says, well, this is going to be interesting. I've never gone to Thanksgiving without a turkey. But right now, as it stands, we're going to be having Thanksgiving with nothing to eat. I've already done all the creative cooking I can. Now, ladies, you understand that's where you go to the cupboard and whatever's in there, you dump it into the pot, you put it on the stove, and you present it to the children and say, this is what you're, if you're going to eat today, this is what you're going to eat. See, I've already done all of the creative cooking I can do. If you don't have any money, we aren't going to eat tomorrow, and it's Thanksgiving. And I recalled 
When Prophecy Club first started, and I'm not going to tell that story, I asked the Lord, I said, Are, you have to confirm to me that I'm supposed to be doing this Prophecy Club thing full time. I need to know that you're going to be there to provide and to protect. And he did. <clears throat> so I said, Lord, you said you would be there to provide and protect. And to this day, I could take you to that house that still stands. I could take you to that kitchen. I could show you the very spot in the kitchen where Leslie and I held hands and we prayed. And we said, Lord, this is your ministry. We serve you. We ask you to provide the money for Thanksgiving or the food for Thanksgiving or something for tomorrow in Jesus' name. About an hour later, ding dong, the front doorbell rings, and Joanne Dollins, who was our first employee, still works at Prophecy Club now some almost 30 years later, walks in with two grocery sacks and says, get out of the kitchen, I'm fixing the Thanksgiving meal. True story, right? Before I met Leslie, years before I met Leslie, I bought a, an old piano, it was an oak piano, for $1,000. I just like plunking around on a piano. I took five years of piano lessons. I, either, I, when I discovered I can't play the piano. <laughs> but nevertheless, I bought one. And <clears throat> when Leslie and I got married, you know, it followed us around as we moved around. But when Prophecy Club started in June of 93, it was probably about July of 93 that we reached the point to where we didn't have any money again. Because all the money coming into Prophecy Club had to just stay in Prophecy Club because there wasn't any money in Prophecy Club for us to take any out. And I had quit my job, chosen radio rather than sales. So I said, okay, what we have to do is I'm going to sell that piano. You sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to sell a piano. So I put it in the paper. Sure enough, it sold real quick. Sold for $1,000. And I remember helping the guy load it and taking it out. and Bye-bye. You know. <laughs> but it was okay. About three years later, I think it was 1996, 97. I almost want to say his name. I know his name. He's still a great supporter. He just sent us a $300 donation the day before yesterday. So we were at a, in Tulsa, about 700 people at a crusade there at a church. So this man that at the time I didn't know walked up and he says, I'm impressed the Lord to donate a piano to you. A piano? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, well, you know, that's, that's, that, that's a big thing. So why don't you pray about it? And if you still want to donate it to us, come up to me tomorrow and, and we'll accept it. So sure enough, next day he came up, big tears in his eyes. He says, I prayed about it. Yeah, I'm supposed to give it to you. I said, okay, great. He said, the only thing I ask is you pay for the shipping, $300. So the piano came. As a matter of fact, you played it yesterday. That's where the piano came from. I didn't buy that piano. It was a gift. I said, what kind of piano is this? Yamaha. It was a Yamaha, right? Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> Yamaha Kawhi is real close. They both have A's in them. <laughs> Out of curiosity, what'd you pay for that piano? $8,000. I paid $1,000, so I gave a $1,000 piano to the Lord, and I got back an $8,000 piano. And trust me, this is a lot nicer piano than what I sold. I'm only saying that God is there. 
He is going to provide, okay? Are you listening? He will provide in a time of trouble. Am I the only one that needs to hear stuff like this from time to time? No, you've already heard the other story, but you haven't heard this one. This took place yeah, three years ago. I was heading racquetball one Thursday afternoon. And <clears throat> two lanes, I'm in the left lane. Coming up on a light, it's green. And this car turned in front of me. And, you know, and, and that's, that's fine, but it was a big truck and I couldn't see it. It blocked my view behind there, and then right behind there was another Suburban, big white Suburban. I don't know what it is about white Suburbans today. <laughs> big white Suburban, and all of a sudden, it's like right there in my face. And I was expecting, I, I, I couldn't even get to the word B to say blood of Jesus. It happened that fast. And my mind was expecting the next thing to happen would be to have that bag explode in my face. Of course, I hit the brakes as hard as fast as I possibly could with my racquetball reflexes. <laughs> but all of a sudden, we did a super spot stop, a super stop. I mean, I've never stopped that fast in all my life. I didn't even know a car could stop that fast. And it must have been like about that much, but that car made it through and I did not hit it. I can tell you several other examples like that. I pulled up to, I don't think, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, well, I'll tell you that story, too. About a year ago, I was coming to church one morning, and right up here, it goes from a 70-mile-an-hour speed limit, you take the exit, and it drops down to 45. <clears throat> and you take that exit all the time, and, you know, I wasn't paying attention to my speed, right? Okay, right, got it. So as I'm going along, I hear in my spirit, what's the speed limit? I don't know, so I just took off my, my foot off the gas and slowed down. And dropped down to probably around 50. And uh, went ahead and pulled up to the light, sat there at the light waiting for a minute. And then there was another car pulled up behind me with another car behind him with lights going. <laughs> so I was about to get a ticket. I say that because I want to let you know God protects you in a lot of ways. You don't realize he's... I'll give you another example. I pulled up to, there was like three lanes. There was like a car, two cars, and an open lane. And I was in the middle lane, and I pulled up behind two cars in front of me. And I'm sitting there late at night, like 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock. So I just kind of moseyed on over into the other lane like this. And then my eyes were like drawn to the car that pulled up behind me. Hidden behind the grill, I would have never noticed it otherwise, were these two lights, a red one and a blue one. I mean, he, he brought my attention. You got the law behind you, boy. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> okay. <laughs> there, there's the story. I wondered, as I was praying about this, you remember you were, there was riots in Honduras about the gas? And, and the Lord got you guys up early, and you got out before those riots started. And I think that was the hand of the Lord, too. Okay, so I guess that's the end of our, our wonderful talk here this morning. And I want to say, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb 
to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb. He is faithful. He keeps his promises. And he will provide and he will protect his own. All we have to do is make certain that we are his own. That we're walking with him, right? So anyway, you folks uh, on the internet that are watching us, if you'd like to join, and you should join a church, if you'd like to join this one, you just go to spiritofprophecychurch.com or prophecyclub.com. You click on Become a Ministry Member on the left-hand side there, and it'll take you into how to become a member. Also, if you'll click Like and Share, it helps the this go ahead get out to more people and click a subscribe. And then finally, if you... If you pray this prayer that I'm going to pray here in just a second, we'd like for you to email us and let us know that you received Jesus today. I'm going to do it this way. The way this is really supposed to work is the Bible says that he is, that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If you watch this far in this message today, you're one that has been called to diligently seek God. Now, I could send you to the Scriptures, and you really should go to the Scriptures. You should read that King James Bible. You don't want to make it to heaven and say, oh, well, I never read your book. I want to read that Bible. But I'm going to keep it simple today. All we have to do is just ask Him to forgive our sins. I remember when... Uh, Donald Trump was in his first candidacy in 2016. He was speaking to a group of pastors. And I think I told this like a week or so ago. And uh, he had walked away from the microphone about this far, and someone in the audience asked him if he had ever asked God to forgive his sins. And he spoke it, but he was close enough to the microphone where I could hear it. And he said, I didn't know I was supposed to. I think that that's where he got saved at that meeting. I don't think he knew about Jesus. Now, if you're watching right now, you can't say you don't know about Jesus. But that's all you have to do is just ask God to forgive you your sins in whatever way you want to in Jesus' name. Understand, Father doesn't forgive the sins. Jesus forgives the sins. He asked the Father forgiveness in the name of Jesus, because Jesus is the door. He is the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. There is one mediator between God, the man, Christ Jesus. He is the door to eternal life. Ask him to forgive your sins. If you do, send me an email to that email. And there are the scriptures there. Well, there were the scriptures, okay? Well, maybe they weren't. Read the Bible. God bless you. Thank you for watching and attending.